You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. A joint advisory warns of Volt Typhoon's extended network infiltration. Check your Cisco devices for patches. Fortinet clarifies its latest vulnerabilities. Internet outages plague Pakistan on Election Day. Kaspersky describes the new Coyote banking trojan. Cyber insurance is projected to reach new heights. The White House appoints a leader for the AI Safety Institute and sees pushback on proposed reporting regulations. Can we hold AI liable for its foreseeable harms? Joe Kerrigan joins us with insights on the mother of all data breaches and the potential of passkeys versus the comfort of passwords. It's Thursday, February 8th, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is the 2000th episode of the CyberWire Intel Briefing. Thank you for joining us today. It is great to have you here with us. The Chinese cyber espionage group known as Volt Typhoon successfully infiltrated networks within the United States' critical infrastructure and managed to evade detection for at least five years. The discovery of this breach was announced through a joint advisory by CISA, the NSA, the FBI, and their international partners from the Five Eyes Alliance. Volt Typhoon specializes in living-off-the-land techniques, using legitimate tools already present in the environment for malicious purposes. The group also leverages stolen account credentials and employs strong operational security measures. These strategies enable them to remain undetected and maintain persistent access within compromised systems over long periods. The primary targets of Volt Typhoon have been organizations within the communications, energy, transportation, and water-wastewater sectors across the United States. Their operations and tactics suggest a focus beyond typical cyber espionage. Authorities believe the group's ultimate objective is to gain access to operational technology assets. This access could enable them to disrupt critical infrastructure, especially in times of geopolitical tensions or military conflicts with the United States. CISA has expressed concerns about Volt Typhoon's potential to exploit their access for disruptive or destructive cyber attacks against U.S. critical infrastructure during significant crises. Rob Joyce, NSA's Director of Cybersecurity, emphasized the ongoing efforts to understand the scope of Volt Typhoon's activities. The U.S. has been improving its capabilities in identifying compromises, hardening targets, and collaborating with partner agencies to counteract cyber threats 
from the People's Republic of China. In response to these threats, a technical guide accompanied the advisory. The guide provides information for network defenders on how to detect Volt Typhoon's techniques. It also offers mitigation measures to secure networks against attackers using living-off-the-land techniques. Security researcher Kevin Beaumont warns that Akira and Lockbit ransomware groups are actively targeting Cisco ASA SSL VPN devices by exploiting vulnerabilities that were patched in 2020 and 2023. Despite the available patches, the exploitation of these older vulnerabilities is facilitated by organizations' slow patching practices. Recent observations by Beaumont and TrueSec researchers highlight an uptick in malicious scanning for Cisco AnyConnect VPN devices, with a significant portion of the activity linked to known ransomware groups. The advice is clear. Patch your devices promptly to mitigate the risk of ransomware attacks. Meanwhile, Cisco has patched several vulnerabilities in its Expressway series collaboration gateways, including two critical flaws which pose a risk of cross-site request forgery attacks. These vulnerabilities stem from inadequate CSRF protections in the web-based management interface, enabling attackers to perform unauthorized actions on the affected systems by deceiving a user into clicking a malicious link. The potential impacts include altering system configurations and creating new accounts with administrative privileges. Additionally, a third vulnerability could lead to a denial of service by allowing attackers to overwrite system settings. Cisco recommends that customers update their software to a secure release to mitigate these risks. The past few days have seen some confusion over a series of security disclosures from Fortinet, and now the company has identified two new unpatched vulnerabilities as patch bypasses for a previously disclosed critical remote code execution flaw in Fortisim, their security information and event management solution. Initially, Fortinet mistakenly announced these as duplicates due to an API issue, but later clarified that they are indeed distinct variants of the original vulnerability, allowing unauthenticated attackers to execute commands via crafted API requests. These variants share the same description and severity score as the initial flaw. Fortinet is working on fixes for these vulnerabilities in upcoming Fortisim releases across several versions. Despite no current active exploitation, the critical nature of the flaw means users should update their systems promptly to ensure network security, especially given Fortinet devices' attractiveness to ransomware groups and other threat actors. Fortinet plans to include reminders in its monthly advisory to alert customers about the updated advisory and forthcoming patches. It's election day in Pakistan, and widespread internet blackouts and mobile network disruptions were reported across multiple regions. This comes amid security concerns cited by Pakistan's Interior Ministry, pointing to a recent surge in terrorist activities. The election process has been overshadowed by digital censorship targeting the political opposition, allegations of corruption, and poll rigging. Imran Khan, the leader of the Pakistan tehreek e insaf party, and his wife, Bushra Bibi, were jailed last week, further complicating the political landscape. The Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz is expected to win in an election anticipated to have lower-than-usual voter turnout, despite heavy security presence. Past incidents in 2022 
also saw internet services disrupted during protests, with telecom providers attributing a partial outage to issues with the web filtering system, suggesting state involvement in internet shutdowns. Kaspersky reports on a newly discovered banking trojan called Coyote, which targets users of over 60 banking institutions with a sophisticated infection chain that distinguishes it from traditional banking trojans. Utilizing the Squirrel installer for distribution, Coyote leverages advanced technologies including Node.js and the NIM programming language for its loader, aiming to complete its infection process more covertly. Targeting mainly Brazilian banks, Coyote communicates with its command and control server using SSL channels, performing actions based on received commands. This evolution in the banking Trojan domain highlights the adoption of less common cross-platform languages by cybercriminals, indicating a trend toward more sophisticated malware development techniques. The Insurance Information Institute, III, projects global cyber insurance direct written premiums to reach $23 billion by 2025, with U.S. businesses contributing approximately 56% of this total. The growth is attributed to the increasing threat of cyber attacks and data breaches, alongside improvements in policy clarity and risk management by insurers. U.S. companies, major buyers of standalone cyber insurance, are particularly vulnerable due to their heavy reliance on IoT technologies, remote work, and cloud storage, raising their exposure to cyber risks. Standalone policies offer coverage for expenses not typically covered by general liability policies, such as legal fees and data recovery costs. Despite a 15% rise in the average data breach cost since 2020, reaching $4.45 million in 2023, the cyber insurance market has tripled in the past five years. The surge in demand and cost underscores the importance of cyber insurance in today's digital economy, prompting heightened focus from insurance regulators and cybersecurity agencies. The Biden administration has appointed Elizabeth Kelly, a senior White House economic policy advisor, to lead the newly created AI Safety Institute, which is part of NIST. Kelly was instrumental in drafting the executive order that established the institute, which will focus on fostering safe AI technology development. The institute aims to implement red team testing standards by July for AI developers, ensuring system safety for consumer and business use. This initiative seeks to establish a universal set of standards for AI safety testing, promoting broader trust and adoption of AI technologies. Kelly has a background in law from Yale and experience in both the Obama administration and the private sector, bringing a wealth of expertise to her new role. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is actively recruiting 50 artificial intelligence experts this year to join its new AI Corps, leveraging AI in various government tasks, including cyber threat defense and damage assessment with AI-powered computer vision. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is seeing pushback from industry on proposed changes to procurement rules that require IT service providers to the U.S. government to grant full access to their systems during security incidents. These updates to the federal acquisition regulation, inspired by President Biden's 2021 executive order, aim to enhance security reporting standards for government contractors. Other key provisions include an eight-hour deadline for reporting incidents to CISA 
and maintaining a software bill of materials. Organizations argue that the requirements are burdensome and the rapid reporting timelines are unrealistic. Critics, including the Cloud Services Providers Advisory Board and the Information Technology Industry Council, express concerns over the SBOM requirements and the potential impact on non-federal customer data. The debate emphasizes the growing complexity and inconsistency of cyber incident reporting regulations across various federal agencies, leading to calls for a unified reporting process. A story from Dylan Matthews in Vox points out that some AI experts have remarked on the unique nature of artificial intelligence, highlighting its potential as a major shift in human history, akin to the creation of a new species capable of surpassing human intelligence. This perspective raises questions about the role of governments in regulating AI, especially given its potential to significantly impact society. Proposed regulations focus on ensuring AI systems are tested for bias, security vulnerabilities, weaponization potential, and unintended goals. However, the complexity of AI poses challenges for regulatory efforts. Gabriel Wheel suggests an alternative approach through tort law, where AI companies could face strict liability for foreseeable harms caused by their products, including catastrophic risks. This legal strategy could incentivize companies to prioritize safety without the need for extensive government intervention, representing a novel method to manage AI's transformative potential while mitigating its risks. Coming up after the break, Joe Kerrigan joins us with insights on the mother of all data breaches. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. 
That's why Cloudflare created the first ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it is my pleasure to once again welcome back to the show Joe Kerrigan. He is from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hey, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, Interesting story that came by here about uh, something that was claiming to be or or assigned the title the mother of all data breaches. Right. Uh, It's a biggie here. What's going on, Joe? This was a biggie. It was found by some researchers over at Cyber News, or at least they published it. Mm. Uh, And it had 26 billion records. And the breach included users, uh, user information for LinkedIn, X, Venmo, and more. The problem with this, actually, is the way that it was reacted to, actually. Hmm. There are uh, headlines, like from Bazinga, that say, Mother of all data breaches, 26 billion records leaked. Panic over increased cybercrime risks. Mm. Uh, Mother of all data breaches, data leak reveals 26 billion account records from Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. That's from the New York Post. Lots of panic. Mm. Now, Stu Showerman, who is the CEO of Know Before, and also Know Before is the sponsor of our show, Hacking Humans. (laughs) Right. Um, Stu Showerman has a pretty good blog post on this, and he is comparing his current thinking on it to his initial thinking on it. Mm. So in the initial, and he actually puts the initial blog post up and says it's really, uh, really a big problem. And then his later problem is, no, these are all previously disclosed breaches. That's what this has turned out to be. And I'll get into that in a minute. But mm. either way, Stu comes to the conclusion that uh, his, his advice is the same in both cases, right? Phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication and user training. Yeah. Right? Which I would agree with, especially for uh, corporations, user training or organizations. You need to train your users. They're, they're going to be your partners in this cybersecurity problem. But the owner of this data set has been found to be a company called Leak Lookup. Hmm. And uh, guess what, Dave? They sell access to this via an API. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, uh, you know, the website says, uh, check, your, check to make sure your data is not in here. And then you get some access and you can request up to 10,000 records at a time via this API Hmm. for, I think, five requests a minute or something like that. Hmm. So 50,000 records every minute you can request from this service. There's much more than just usernames and passwords in this breach. There are some parts of it that contain significant PII. And I want to pair this with our survey from a while back that I was talking about. Hmm. In our survey that we did of Maryland, this is just Maryland residents, we found... This is a survey done at Hopkins. This is a survey done at Hopkins, right? Okay. Right, correct. Uh, we found that fewer than one half of the respondents knew that their data had been breached. Hmm. Okay? I, and that was really shocking because we were really anticipating close to 100% of people knowing that their data has been breached. Hmm. Now, this is a collection of just previously existing uh, data breaches. Like, you know, Collection 1? You remember Collection 1? Yeah. The big... That's part of this... Uh, this uh, leak lookup collection. It's a big aggregation of lots of previous it, breaches. It is. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is that more than half of the people that responded to our survey reported using passwords, uh, reusing passwords or using very similar passwords on multiple sites. Mm-hmm. Okay. This kind of points to what everybody needs to understand about this. These data sets are out there. The fact that this company runs a a um, a, a service that you can go out and just subscribe to it. And the only reason that this was this 
data breach happened was because they had a misconfigured firewall, according to a Twitter feed, Hmm. right? They they allowed somebody to go into the back end and just request the data without uh, using the API through their configuration error. So these data sets are out there. And this one is just one that these researchers happened to find because it was exposed. Right. There are other data sets out there that are probably larger uh, and may not have disclosed breaches in them. Mm-hmm. May not have breaches. People that have been breached may not even know that they've been breached and these guys have this information. So your data is out there. I almost guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the only way I would say that your your data is not out there is if you've been totally off the internet for the past 30 years. <laughs> right. In which case, you're not hearing this message. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> right, right. If you can hear the sound of my voice, your data is in one of these data sets. <laughs> right. Good way right, to say it. Right, right. Um, so what do you do personally if you're, if you're just uh, an individual? You need to uh, use a password manager to make sure that you use different passwords on every single site that you go to that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I've talked before about how uh, there are some sites where I will use uh, different passwords, but I don't care if I, you know, easy to remember passwords, but I don't care if I lose access to those servers or those sites, right? Mm-hmm. Go, so I have a risk model, my own personal risk model. The other thing is use multi-factor authentication on every site that offers it to you. Yeah, That'll stop a lot of these account takeovers that are going to result from this data being out there. If you're uh, organizationally, uh, if you're an organization, I'm going to say pretty much exactly what Stu Showerman said, and that is enforce multi-factor authentication, uh, preferably with a, a FIDO key, uh, and then uh, that will go a long way in protecting your organization and the user training as well. We frequently talk about the Google finding that once they enforced the, uh, the, the Google Titan, made everybody have, to, all Google employees had to use Google Titan. Right. Their email compromises, their account takeovers went to zero. Yeah. And they're a big company. Yeah. But everybody has to use this now. Uh, Twitter now, or X, I guess, uh, after their breach, um, when before they sold off to Elon Musk, they they had they switched and forced everybody to go to a YubiKey. They bought two YubiKeys for everybody and just gave them to them. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's how you solve this problem. There's another another article I found while while looking into this that said, and it was disheartening. Twenty five percent of your employees use the same password on everything. Yeah. Right. Which means that your employees are using the same passwords they use on their Netflix account. And uh, if if they have a, a breached Netflix account, that puts your organization at risk. Mm-hmm. You can secure that with multi-factor authentication. Yeah. All right. Well, good information. Uh, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And finally, Matt Burgess writes in Wired about the promise and frustrations of trying to adopt a passwordless lifestyle online. He shares several frustrations related to the use of traditional passwords and the transition to pass keys, including annoyances with complex passwords, as anyone who has ever tried to enter their Netflix password on a TV screen keyboard has surely experienced. Password managers are great when they work, but they can be complex and inconvenient, especially when managing a large number of passwords. Burgess met several hurdles in his attempt to transition to pass keys, the technology supported by major tech entities like Google, Apple, and Microsoft. Passkeys promise a more secure alternative, leveraging public key cryptography to facilitate logins via fingerprints, facial recognition, or PINs. Troubles included incompatibility issues with their work laptop's operating system, glitches with the PayPal app, challenges in creating a passkey for TikTok due to the use of a work Google account, and limitations with their password manager, Bitwarden, not supporting passkeys on mobile initially. There's little doubt we're headed for a passwordless future, but for now, passwords are kind of like X's. You know you should move on, but you keep going back, because it's just so familiar. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is our 2000th episode of the Cyberwire Daily Podcast. A heartfelt thanks to everyone who's had a hand in making this possible. The original five team members who set off on this crazy adventure. Everyone here at N2K Cyberwire today, our sponsors, for helping us keep the lights on. And especially to you, our listeners for being with us day after day and letting us know that what we do is valuable and time well spent. Here's to the next 2,000 episodes. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like the Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Ivan and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 